Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. And boy, has it been a busy week. We got a lot of ground to cover. If you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom as they relate to the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And there's a lot happening in our state legislature this week. So I want to get into a lot of detail about that. But before I do, I want to let you know, if you're watching this show, this weekly broadcast that we do on Facebook Live, we ask you to like it, share it, post it to groups. Let's get those numbers up. Let's multiply them. We're going to go for about 15, 20 minutes here. And we got a great guest today. So I don't want you to miss out. And a timely guest, there's no doubt. And so Representative Shelby Slauson is going to be our guest today. She is a Texas House member, one of the newest members of the Texas House from the North Texas area. She's a licensed attorney and has been someone who's cared about the issues of faith, family, and freedom for many years. Not only is she one of the newest members of the state legislature, but she got a lot of attention this week because she was presenting a very important pro-life bill to House Public Health, uh, excuse me, the House Public Health Committee this week, the Texas Heartbeat Bill in the Texas House. Representative Slauson, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me with you today. Well, absolutely. And look, we've, you know, our team has seen a lot of you and your team this week because <laughs> very busy with a lot of important pieces of legislation. But one of those pieces of legislation that's getting a lot of attention, getting a lot of uh, synergy and momentum, if you will, and got a lot of attention during a very late hearing this week was House Bill 1515. That's the Texas heartbeat bill. Many of our supporters know, and people from out the state know that the Senate version, Senate Bill 8, passed the Senate a couple of weeks ago, and that effort's being led by Senator Brian Hughes. And now, though, the House version, because you got to pass the House and the Senate, and a lot of times the bills are identical, which is the case here, uh, but sometimes it can be a little bit different. you got more members, you got a larger hearing room, dynamics can be a little bit different, and certainly then you've got different members. But uh, I want to talk in a little bit of detail, but before we do that, I do want to just talk for a second look. This is your first session. I think the issues that you and I care about, our organization cares about, faith, family, and freedom, are some of the things that motivated you to office. And so uh, maybe a lot of our supporters haven't even had a chance to meet you yet. So I'd love to let you just talk a little bit about yourself and why it was so important for you to run for elective office. Well, thank you very much. And I'm a born and raised Central Texas girl. And I think that probably a lot of our constituents in Central Texas are very familiar with Texas values. Um, we are a strong conservative district. Sometimes I actually refer to us as the geographical and ideological heart of Texas um, because our people believe in those core principles of faith, family, and freedom. And so it's an honor to get to represent that down here in Austin on behalf of those people. Well, uh, look, you know, it's important for people to stay connected with their elected officials during the legislative session because y'all are spending a lot of time in Austin, right? In your district, it's not the furthest away from uh, the Texas Capitol, but, you know, it's a pretty good distance. I'm trying to look at the map here uh, to see some of the different counties, uh, if I can get a larger version of it here on my screen. Uh, and so, I mean, to, to look at some of the cities here, and I'm going to, on your website here, yes. where you've got um, Comanche, you've got Copper's Cove, uh, some of the counties here, Erath County, uh, where our good friend uh, Sid Miller is from and, and others. Uh, there's some pretty, you know, Stephenville, you've got some universities out there. 
you know, a lot of areas that maybe people aren't aware of a whole lot, but when they hear those names, they're historic. And, and you know, you got Fort Hood, some of those different areas that are very important to Texans across the state. Yes, we're an eight county district right there that stretches from Comanche, Coriel, Erath, Hamilton, McCullough Mills, San Saba, and Somerville counties. Yeah, well, look, and there are 254 counties in the state. I remind people myself a lot. <laughs> but, you know, it's a refreshing. I travel a good bit, and so does our team. A lot of times you go through different parts of the state, and while there might be some differences where people uh, grew up originally or, or different industries, there's a lot that keeps us together, and certainly faith, family, and freedom are some of those values. And so we're excited to have you a part of the work at the Texas Capitol. I think probably, what, three, three-and-a-half-hour drive maybe for you, depending on traffic, but not too hard to get in and out of town. But look, coming into this time of the session, right, we're beyond the halfway point. You end up spending a little bit more time in Austin. Look, I live in the Austin area in Cedar Park, and so I'm sort of used to it. But I know that, you know, getting adjusted to some of those schedules, people don't always realize they think of kind of a normal work week. But we get into the heart of the session <laughs> here five days, it might even be on Saturday. And it's important because we got to get good bills like the heartbeat bill passed. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. You had a hearing this week in public health and it didn't go as long as sometimes they go, but certainly several hours starting at 8 a.m. I think the, the hearing itself, not just on this bill, but others went to close to 11. But you were able to present your bill to the committee and you got a lot of support. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, it was it was a really great day for pro-life bills in Texas. When we, when we had that hearing. And I was, I was so excited to finally get to lay out HB 1515. As you mentioned, Senator Hughes has already gotten the uh, Senate version, Senate Bill 8, through that chamber, which was so exciting. They had a full day of testimony over there too with people weighing in on um, how important it is to protect unborn lives in Texas. And so the energy coming across the hall from the Senate to the House has just been building on itself. We have a tremendous number of colleagues who have signed on to the House bill already, which is just, um, it gives me chills almost how exciting this is. We have all three of our big leaders in Texas who have made it clear that pro-life is a priority and um, we can hardly wait to to move this further along. So part of the process, as you know, is we needed to have a hearing on the House version of the Texas Heartbeat Act. And so I was able to lay out that bill in front of the Public Health Committee. It's uh, particularly exciting to confirm that every Republican member serving on that committee is either a joint or a co-author on this bill. Wow, so that's exceptional. It, it really is. Well, and, and a lot of people don't realize that. We're, uh, we're discussing the Texas Heartbeat Act with the House author, Representative Shelby Slauson. She represents House District 59. I call it North Texas. I guess it's you could consider it Central Texas. I'm from Houston, so a lot of things can, you know, to me seem like North Texas. Everything is North. <laughs> Even though I haven't lived uh, in the Houston area for probably over a decade, but I still, my mind still works that way a lot. But, you know, and speaking of supporters, right, not only do you have the support of the Republican colleagues on the Public Health Committee, but you got the governor supporting it. I mean, you put out a nice tweet on social media a couple of weeks ago, um, and, and it was a retweet of Senator Hughes, the Senate author, but the bills are identical. And so you can, so I think it's fair to say, yeah, the governor supports the House version too. 
And let's talk a little bit about the bill. I mean, not to get too deep into it. I mean, it's a simple concept. If a heartbeat can be detected on an, as an unborn child, then you're not allowed to perform an abortion in the state of Texas. But it, you don't have the government being involved in the enforcement. This is a situation statutorily where any person could bring a legal action to stop, and this would be a civil action, would be able to stop someone or to have some type of enforcement mechanism as a result of them violating uh, this provision in the Heartbeat Act. And so I think a lot of people aren't used to that. And it kind of, you know, touches on some different things legally. And I could discuss some of that. But the value of it is recognizing and acknowledging that if there's a heartbeat, we know that's a human life. That, that's it, absolutely, is, is confirming that that unique, universal sign of life is a heartbeat. And what this bill is really doing, Jonathan, is that when that heartbeat is detected, the life is protected. It's that simple. No, it really is that simple. And, and look, we're not the only ones doing it, right? I mean, you've got uh, 12 at least states. I think Idaho became the 13th yeah. state passed one earlier this week. And so there's a lot of momentum around this issue. There's a lot of interest. And I think it's something that people can identify with, right? To your point, we're talking with Representative Shelby Slauson about the Texas Heartbeat Act. It received a hearing in House Public Health Committee. It's already passed the Senate. A lot of momentum on this issue. But I think it's easy for people to understand it and connect with it and say, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Whether the baby's in the womb or outside of the womb, we look for those predictors or those signs of life. And we think, you know, is there a heartbeat? That's something you hear and, you know, is talked about in hospitals and in medical settings. And so why any different here? And I think that's why a lot of other states are choosing to do it. But now the opportunity for Texas, because even though the heartbeat act states, it's really the past two or three years where it's gotten a lot more attention. So, you know, we only meet every other two years. And so now's the time. And, and look, I'll just say it. I'm not putting this on you. It was touched on during the hearing. You've got a couple of new members of the Supreme Court, people like Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, uh, really a time to say, look, this is, and, and I think there's there's precedent out there, Gonzales v. Carhartt and others, that acknowledge the significance of a heartbeat as it relates to science. And that's why we're able to be in a good position with a law like this. Yes, and you made a great point in that hearing yourself about sometimes what we do in the law is we make a very clear statement about where we stand on the issue. And there, there may be things to be sorted out in a judicial proceeding later. But what you're seeing across our country is all of these states taking that stand. And it is time for Texas to do the same thing. Yeah, well, and it's, it, it is. I mean, it's an acknowledgement. I like to use the phrase a lot because I think it's easy to understand and remember. But that's what I was taught in law school. The law is a teacher, right? So what we write in law says a lot about who we are as a society. And, you know, look, I mean, 40, I've lost count of how many years it's been. I just have to remember my own birthday because I was born in 1973. But, you know, we're at 48 years of Roe versus Wade and the numbers continue to add up. Over 50,000 abortions in the state of Texas. Now, look, that number has been going down because of some of the pro-life work that our organizations and others have been doing from when it was over 80,000. But that's still a lot. I mean, that's more than the population of probably a lot of the cities in your district, if not several of them combined. It's an alarming number. One is too many. But even that number of 50,000, you can't ignore it. And so I think that, that the timing of this 
it, you know, makes a lot of sense. And I think it's something that people can understand and say, you know what, we should be doing something about this. And we should be acknowledging the humanity of the unborn child. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the, the real work in the pro-life movement is happening back in our communities. And so when you recognize that there has been a decline in numbers, I would attribute a lot of that, Jonathan, to the mission-mindedness that's happening back home where our our believers are meeting these moms and dads where they're at and connecting them to resources and, and helping them um, understand that heartbeat and connecting them with our, our faith-based missions, any kind of resources that will help facilitate bringing that life into the world. No, look, and, and I mentioned earlier, right? There are 254 counties in the state of Texas. There are some estimates that there are over 200 pregnancy care centers throughout the state. You know, you could sort of suggest at least one in every county. I know in Travis and Williamson County in the areas where I live, there's numerous pregnancy care centers where women can go to get help, to get support for themselves, for their child, before the baby's born and after. And so, you know, the pro-life movement, if you will, has continued to become more and more comprehensive when you look at how important it is to provide that support to the family, to the child, and not always just the mother. I mean, fathers, all, you know, people that are involved in this process, I've seen it play out uh, so often and how important it is to have that connection and support for multiple members of the family, but definitely for the mother and that unborn child. And then once the child is born as well. And that's something that the state has done, right? I mean, you think about the alternatives to abortion program and many others that are out there that are supporting young mothers, that are supporting uh, babies that are born. A lot of support there that really sends that message of how important life is for people in the state of Texas and our leaders. But there's still work to do, right? I mean, we, you know, there's an expectation the bill will pass out of the, the public health committee. I mean, with the number of co-authors you have on the bill, I think you're close to that tipping point, at least on paper, of being at 76. I, you know, even without some of those members signed on, and we'd encourage them to do that. I think you've got, uh, you know, already a majority of support. You mentioned sort of, you know, the big leaders are out there supporting it, but we still got to get there, right? And so, um, I mean. For people, I, you know, um, I think you would agree to be contacting their elected official and saying, hey, support the heartbeat bill if you already do, you know, let Representative Slauson know, but we got to finish this work. Yes, definitely. Please be sure to thank those yes. uh, that have already joined in. You may see the heart balloons behind me here this week. Just a fun little thing. We we had a heart balloon delivered to every representative and senator that has already joined into this um, just to kind of keep that energy and momentum going because we are so appreciative of, of everything. You know, anything that we do down here, there's there's no islands. It, it takes a team. And having that team both inside the chambers and all the different stakeholder groups like Texas Values, all the different citizens that came from all parts of the state to testify and who have been sending in comments and, and reaching out to their reps to, to really encourage them to get behind this and help get it across the line. It takes all of us, Jonathan. Well, there's no doubt. And, and there's still work to do to finish that. I do think that the support is there. Now it's really about getting the vote on the House floor. Um, the bill's already passed the Senate. So theoretically, that's all that's left to do is get get uh, get it passed on the House side. We'll see how all that shakes out uh, amongst the rules. But continue to, if, if you haven't heard about this issue, or if you haven't contacted your elected officials, even if they're already on board, like Representative Slaughter, 
saying, send them a message of gratitude, telling them thank you. And that just also lets them know, okay, this is an important issue to my constituents. It's not always going to be received as, oh, you know, you're trying to make things hard on them or you're, you know, you're putting pressure on them. That note of encouragement and gratitude goes a long way. And so I think that will be real well received as well. Well, look, I know it's Friday. You know, you're wrapping up a week. You probably still got a little bit of work to do, but maybe catch your breath after a very successful week. You did a great job. And for people that don't know, when someone says they're laying out their bill, that's just a function of her standing in front of the committee and testifying and saying, this is what my bill is about. This is what it does. I'm happy to take any questions. And so that's kind of that inside baseball capital. And she was able to do that this week. You did a great job. Your team has been excellent handling this issue in this bill. And we look forward to continuing to working with you and being a part of that support for the Heartbeat Act session. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again soon as we move this over into the House floor. Okay, great. Well, Representative Shelby Slauson has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. And I've got some concluding comments I'm going to make as she uh, shifts off the program and has some other work to do. Because, look, that was a big part of our week here at Texas Values and um, our partner group, Texas Values Action, was the Heartbeat Act. But that's not the only thing we did yesterday. Okay, so if you're listening to the radio version of this program, Thursday, we passed on the House floor the Freedom to Worship Act. Remember, it's already passed the Senate. I say we. I don't vote on the House floor. I always like to remind myself and our team that as well. The Texas House passed Representative Sanford's Freedom to Worship Act. And that is a bill that makes it clear that the government cannot force churches to close, particularly when it relates to pandemics and some of the things that we saw last year. And it's become very important. There are still cases that are going up to the U.S. Supreme Court and other courts in other parts of the country on this issue. It's not over for some churches. Uh, thankfully, we've seen a lot of that calm down in the Texas, uh, but it's still an issue. We want to make sure it's clear in law. That way, if these issues come up again, people aren't facing questions. They're not having, you know, uh, wondering what kind of, um, you know, gray area is is not there in law. Is it was it clear? Is it not? We got so many questions and calls and email and text from church leaders and pastors last year because of all executive orders at different levels of government, but particularly at the local level, many that were trying to shut down. As a matter of fact, on the House floor, when the bill was getting passed, there was an amendment that a member of the legislature from Dallas, John Turner, was trying to get on that uh, was not particularly helpful at all. So, but he pushed a little too far an amendment that was not going to get supported anyway. We felt very confident it was going to get voted down. But then he just kept on and it appeared that for some members of the legislature, they had heard enough and they felt like they had to respond. I put something up on social media because the the what the amendment that he had and the way that he was communicating suggested to me that his view is the government is the one that gives you permission to be able to decide if you're a church. That's not how our government works, though. And it was so interesting to see a Democrat member do because a lot of times that's the party that you hear argue for the so-called separation of church and state. That concept, if it says anything, would mean that the government is not the one that gets to decide whether or not you can call yourself a church and what hoops you're, you have to jump through in order to do that. But that's exactly what he was asking is more government control, more government, excuse me, government requirements for you to prove and to really get the blessing and kiss the ring of the government to be able to call yourself a church in a religious organization. And so that amendment went down, but then Jeff Leach said, you know what, hold on, let me just make sure everyone's clear. This representative, and, and, and he was trying to be graceful about it, but reminding people 
this is a representative from Dallas County, where you had government officials that really with some of their actions were allowing other entities to stay open while being very restrictive as it relates to the churches. And so very interesting exchange if you didn't see that between Jeff Leach and John Turner. But it got to the point because there were some people that were trying to really inaccurately color churches to be afraid. Oh, we should be concerned about, you know, uh, churches that are going to be open and having freedom. You know, the government needs to be controlling what they do. And so, but that's not the way that our government and our country was set up. And so I'm trying to avoid sneezing since we're live here on Facebook. But the bill ended up passing 117 to 29, overwhelming support, more than two thirds. And, you know, look, I supported it too. It wasn't just Republicans. Hey, that's great. We can find, you know, so so to speak, those bipartisan moments or things that we can agree more on. And this is something I'm encouraged that we can agree more on. Uh, the less that we have the government trying to punish churches and particularly closing them down, they should be able to, and a lot of times in those settings, they need to be open even more. Be, or, or they're the ones that need to be open the most because of the essential needs that they provide. And as a matter of fact, there's a study out saying that people that were able to go to church on a regular basis during the pandemic overall were doing better as it relates to mental health and things of that nature because of them to being able to, to participate. And so, but not only that, we see disasters. I mean, the churches are the ones that open up for distributing food and water, sometimes uh, being able to be a place for people to stay warm. We saw that earlier this year with a lot of the, the snow and ice storms that we had and freezing weather in the state of Texas. And so, look, we passed the Senate in the House now, but the bills, um, well, the bill that they passed in the House was not the Senate version, not to get too much in the weeds about how some of the rules work. So even though this bill, uh, the House version's passed and the Senate version, it's not actually going to the governor's office yet. And they made a little, they added a little bit of language to it. So they're no longer identical, if you will. But um, so I don't want people to think, oh, it's passed the House and Senate, we're done. It's not done, but we're still closer than we were before. So stay um, tuned for some updates on that. So keep letting your elected officials know that you want the freedom to worship back to be passed in the state of Texas. And so, but look, the, the Heartbeat Act is passed. There were some other pieces of pro-life legislation that were heard, that we're supporting, um, that we're heard in committee this week. I think next week, you're gonna see some really interesting issues on some of the work we do. That's a prediction. Uh, I'm looking here to see if I got any updates on my phone of what some of the hearings, they usually come out sometime about right now or, or Friday afternoon. So we'll know what's on deck for next week and sometimes early into the week. So be checking those updates. Um, on our website and our social media channels, I'm just checking my timing here, our social media channels to see what's on deck next week. I'd say what it is, the predictions are some very interesting topics and issues that really you've been asking for the legislature to take up. Some bills you've been asking for legislatures, the legislator uh, to hear, some chairmen of committees, particularly on the House side. Senate's done a lot of work. I'm not suggesting the House hasn't either, but a lot of bills that we're working on have been heard in the Senate. And now there's a focus on what the House is going to do. And so, um, you know, I saw a number earlier this week. We've had over 50,000 messages sent to elected officials in the state of Texas just this year, really primarily during the past three weeks, excuse me, three months of our legislative session. Thank you so much. You are making a difference. That's so interesting is the word I'll probably use. And uh, maybe there's a better word I can use. Um, it feels good. I'm just going to say it that way. I always try to wrap stuff up, things up maybe into one word, but I'll just state it that way. It feels good 
when I'm in an office or a member of our team is in the office of a legislator and we hear the phone ring or we hear them comment about a call or an email that they got from one of our supporters, and usually it's respectful, but it's indication that you're responding, they're responding, your message is being heard, you're making a difference. And 50,000 is a number that nobody can deny or cannot be ignored. And so, but keep it up. Uh, we're not done yet. There's about three, four, maybe five weeks left in the legislative session. And things are going to start to get real interesting as time starts to sort of run out or it gets closer to the end and people want to make sure things get done. So, and we certainly feel the same way. But look, if you see value in our work, support us financially at txvalues.org. That's txvalues.org. You can make a tax deductible donation. And if you're looking for work, if you will, we have an opening. We've got a full-time position, communications position that's open. We would love to have you join our team. It is a full-time position. Uh, potentially comes with benefits and other perks, if you will, uh, to make it you know comfortable for you to focus on the work that we're doing. But look, we're on the front lines. We're making a difference. If you want to make a difference, this is one of the best places, without a doubt, that you can say, I'm having a direct impact on what happens on law and policy as it relates to freedom in the state of Texas. And so, but check out our website for some more information on the opportunities tab on that. Consider making a donation to txvalues.org. So you can support our work for faith, family, and freedom. Hope you had a great Easter week last week. It's all back to business again this week as we continue to be active. We're going to be having some events around the state, too, as we get close to the end of our fiscal year at the end of June with a little bit of um, what we're going to have to raise to meet our goals and continue to keep our team strong. So look for that. We've got another training, a part two of Legislative Advocacy 101 coming up. But you need to stay tuned and check us out next week on the Texas Values Report.